five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Everything You Know About Music, where tonight I am sitting with my friend Seth. Say hello, Seth. Hello. We're going to do someone who I chose for you specifically because of who you did for me last time. Oh, wow. So do you remember the oh, last? Wow. Yeah. Now, not well, related in the sense that they're musically related. Yeah. I mean, I would think that one may have been inspired by the other. Okay. However, it hmm. was where this person went and what he did with his most recent album that you found so moving that I then thought, you know what? This person did something similar. Wow. So, the last person that you did was? last person I did was D'Angelo. So... D'Angelo, do you remember a little bit what you told me about his last album? What kind of an album it was? It was like a social, socially charged yeah. uh, album. Yeah. So I went through that album pretty detailed, not pretty detailed, pretty extensively mm -hmm. after that and really thoroughly enjoyed it. Good. But I love hearing that. he... I think did something similar at the, at, at the for the last album that this particular artist that I'm going to do tonight did with his last song. Oh, okay. So, hmm. does that give you any hint of who? Which, by the way, I do this when we yeah. do a podcast. I I make the other person guess, and then that, I, like I that. have to guess when when someone yep. does it for me. Yep. And yet, I realize that we're the only people that are really because because <laughs> when I post it, it they're you gonna tell, see, they're gonna it. see who it is. That. Yes, we're I the only ones that are right. at a loss. That when I was Isn't that funny? Here, I was yeah. trying to think about how I get you. I have no idea who you do, but yet yeah. everyone else does. Well, know. I'm the only one in the dark. So hopefully we're interesting at least. Because <laughs> I, I, I know. I know. Um, okay. So any I, guesses? And would you well, like any hints? I, I, I know you know hint. who this is. I had a big hint earlier with oh. the first letter. Okay. Does that help? No. I, I have a guess. Only based on the influence. Was this person an influencer of D'Angelo? <sighs> This person is an influencer because of he's he. Okay. okay? Yes. That's yeah. a, it's a okay. hint. Yep. Is where I think the birthplace of so much of this kind of music mm, okay. came from. Yeah, I do have so a So let me guess. give you a couple. You do have a guess. All right, do go. Just take a guess or do Please. you want to give me more? Yeah, hints? Let me, no, no, go. Sly? Great guess. No. Older. Oh, oh. Yeah. Sam. Sam, Sam Cook. Sam Cook. Great call. Yes. I wanted All to right. do that because I've been wanting yes. to do him for so long. Love it. But I wanted to do it for somebody who liked soul, yeah, but also appreciated early music, and who was into a bit of that social aspect as well, because that's really where he went. Yep. So I wanted well, to do that. Really timely too, you I know, think so. because I think you know, with some of the recent films that have come out, I think more people are getting. Did you watch the most recent film? Uh, Did, the one it, um, Night in Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> one yeah. Night in Miami yes. was great. Yes, very. Good. We'll get to that. We'll okay. get to that. All, all right. right, all right, cool. So Sam Cook. Samuel Cook, C O O K. Really? He added the E. Which, by the way, is <laughs> the same thing as Marvin Gaye, G A Y. He added the E for G A Y E. I don't know. Why do they do that? So, Marvin Gaye, do you think it had anything to do with homophobia? Or uh, was well, it? But yet it's still pronounced it's still, gay. Right, right. I, I never right. understood that. Interesting. Yeah, but Sam Cook added the E, C O O K E. Hmm. Uh, was born in the Delta of Mississippi, Clarksdale, hmm. January 22nd, 1931, of eight sons. And he was the he what was number, do you one know? of eight. I don't know. I think okay. he was in the middle yeah. somewhere. Okay, because yeah. I know he had younger. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he moved with his family to Chicago in 1933 and began singing when he was six. 
in the family like choir because his father was a reverend. Oh, no kidding. Which is wow. such a familiar... How much of this, right? right? I mean, there's so many roots there with, yeah. with, with a lot of these soul singers um, in the it's church. A, it's incredible how yeah. much of a, of, a, of a foundation the church provides. Yeah. And in fact, at age 14, he became the lead singer of this group called the Highway QCs. The lead singer at 14. Ooh. At age 15, Sam left that group and joined the Soul Stirrers, which I think is the most popular gospel group of that era by far. No kidding. Okay. Yeah. The person that took his spot in the Highway QCs was Lou Rawls. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. They were like best buds. So do you know if Lou Rawls... So they're obviously from the same area then, yeah. at least in Chicago. Yeah. It was all there. Yeah. Let me ask you something, yeah. if you don't mind. Please. When you're at that age, you know, thinking back to when you're 14, I think back, and I don't know how old I was, but... I had dreams of being in a band. Right. Couldn't play. Couldn't play an instrument that would have been band worthy. Fourteen and fifteen, though. You thought? Maybe I, younger than that, quite honestly. Wow. I, I mean, just it didn't hit me till my later teens. Well, I remember going to a friend's. You know, he had this barn. I lived in the country in Pennsylvania. Had a barn, and we had these just stuff. And we would write songs. Oh, None wow. of us knew how to play music outside of you know. That's I was really playing cool, the French horn. They were terrible, though. They were songs, you know, one song I remember, it was just making fun of uh, our, our friend's dad. <laughs> and yeah. it's still, you were doing it. You were I doing so. something. Yeah. So my question is, though, like, wh- that, that's it. I'm, make, I'm writing songs at that age of, of making fun of, fun of my friend's dad. Right. How, did, how do you get into that business like that? How do they, I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. I, I think it's got to be a piece that's in you innately. Yeah. It's in your DNA. Yeah. Um, but I think once you, when you grow up with it, I mean, come on, if he's singing when he's six, yeah. And it is dad's church and the whole deal. I mean, it's just, in, it's just ingrained in your, yeah. in your development. Yeah. That's a huge part of it. But I think a lot of it is just natural ability. And when you're in the right environment to have that ability just thrive and come out of you, mm-hmm. what a breeding ground for yeah. just excellence, I think. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems to be a pattern. We've done a bunch of these where that seems to be a place where they're in an area where they're allowed to have their natural talents just flourish right and, and i think that that's a part it of it it's rare that creativity, it's yeah. rare do we do a podcast with somebody who just picked it up at 30 right and right. go i'm gonna try this and hits it it's mm. rare it's right. really really rare yeah for someone as influential and great as we're mm-hmm. talking about here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so i want to play for you at age 16 he became the lead uh, soloist for the Soul Stirrers, and actually has a hit with Jesus Gave Me Water. Ooh. I want to play this for you just so you can kind of hear a bit of his voice even at that early age. Water, just listen to this. Gave me water. I want to let us pray this well. Jesus gave me water. Now you can hear his voice in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus gave me water. And it was not where there was a woman from Samaria. This is 1950. 1950. Acapella. Right? Isn't that crazy? I just wanted you to hear that. So let's fast forward a little bit. Um, Sam Cooke gets married to a lady named Dolores. Dolores gets killed in an automobile accident in 1959. Okay? Mm -hmm. They had gotten divorced a few months prior. Although they were divorced, Sam pays for the entire funeral. Um, And he gets remarried to a lady named Barbara Campbell, who I'm only saying that because it's going to come up later. I want you to remember that name. Okay, yep. Cook's father, who was a preacher, 
perform the ceremony, and they have three children together, Linda, Tracy, and Vincent. So now, by 1959, he's already lost his first wife. He's got three new kids, I think one or two kids from the previous marriage as well. But his youngest son, in 1957, at 18 months, drowns in the family swimming pool. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Okay? That's... Mm. So from 1950, he's in this gospel group. He gets married, gets divorced, first wife dies, gets remarried, has three kids, and the youngest kid, Vincent, dies in the swimming mm. pool. Okay? In 1957, September 7th, he releases this. Darling, you... So, song number one has to be You Send Me. One of the most important rock songs of the era. It's ranked number 115 in the Rolling Stones' 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. This was his number one hit. But listen to his soul. Thrill me. I know you, you, you. Thrill me. Darling, you. His articulation of each word, his pronunciation is so crisp and so clean. It's, forgive me, not black, of the time, which is why he became such a crossover artist. He could appeal to anyone for any reason. He was smooth enough, soulful enough for, for some of the black artists as well as the white artists. Yeah, you're right. He was crisp and clean and precise. There's a, there's a refined cleanliness to his voice, which is just incredible. Now, this was actually, it's funny, this was actually the B-side to... That was a B-side. I know. To this, which was the hit that they thought they were going to have, which was a, a, an old staple. Summertime. Summertime. Oh, yeah. But because You Send Me was so good, the DJs found it on the B-side and played the no heck kidding. out of it, and it became <laughs> one of his biggest, biggest hits. So that is in 50, no. 57. 57, okay. 57. So from 57 over the next couple of years, he's got hit after hit after hit. He got Cupid. I'm just going to give you a little taste of each one of these because I want you to get his voice like stuck in your brain. Cupid, draw back your bow. Alright, you've heard that one. You've heard this. He takes this old classic Nat King Cole song, I Love You for Sentimental Reasons, and just souls and jazzes it up. L- listen to his smooth. I mean, right? He's just so, oh, so smooth. I-, I love this kind of thing, too, to think about the progression. You know, we talked about it with D'Angelo. You, know, you see it with the Beatles, you see it with. So many artists of that time, specifically responding to the times, and I know we're, I'm, I know I'm foreshadowing, and we're getting there, but yeah. just going from now, it's all love songs and everything, yeah. you know, and then yeah. at some point Stevie was similar too, and then it progresses to where a little oh, bit you know what, more. there's more too. But this. there's also more going on in their life. They become older, and the, the, the times actually changed yeah. too. Right. But listen right. to this here. Look. She was on the 16, right. Just on the old school, yeah. soulful love songs. Yeah. Yeah. When I think of the late 50s, early 60s, this is it, yep. right? And it is soul, but you're right, though. It could it could fall into some of these, some not doo-wop, but, but some of these more um, stereotypically white 
yeah. groups of the time. They do. You know, it sounds great. It has a similar sound. It does. Which is great. Would you know he's black just by listening to these these songs, the ones yeah. I'm playing you now? No. I don't think so. No. And then, of course, his huge hit of this era. Don't know much about history. Yep. Right? Yep. Don't know much biology. Huge hit. All right. So anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm cheating because I'm only supposed to give you three songs. But I, I, I just wanted to give you these. How many of those do you know are, and maybe you don't know, but I'm, I'm curious on how many of those are crossover hits. You know, All are of they, them. Are they R&B hits? Are they, yeah, All of yeah. them. Because, for example, if we look at Just You Send Me, it became a number one hit on the R&B and Billboard oh, no Top kidding. 100. Okay. Yeah. So Great they were song. all pretty much crossovers. Some did better on other charts than others. Yeah. But they were all crossover hits. And that was the point I kind of wanted to make there. Yeah. He becomes insanely popular. He has 30 top 40 hits between 1957 and 1964, and then three after his death, which we'll talk about. Oh, okay. Which is insane. So 30 during his lifetime. He then, though, and this is kind of where I want to go, he gets out of just producing music by himself, just singing and writing songs, and actually was the first modern black performer to attend business school and go into the business side of the music. He had his own record label, his own publishing company, and actually had label um sorry, had artists underneath his label. He actually did the Soul Stirrers, which is where he oh, started yeah. from. Yeah, yeah. Billy Preston, Mel Carter, Johnny Taylor, and a bunch of others. Billy Preston, okay. Yeah. And it was he, the Soul Stirrers at that time, was that Lou Rawls then or was it they? Was Lou Rawls. It was Lou Rawls. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Which that's is really, cool. really cool. Yeah, now, that's very cool. Lou Rawls did stuff for him. Then he had a bunch of like studio musicians that did stuff for him, which we're, we're going to get to one in particular at the end. But And it was almost like a baby Motown, but he brought in artists that would never have been found otherwise yeah, and no specifically promoted them because of their social, racial uh, inabilities. Like it, he was really, really big into that. Wow. Yeah, which is really cool. Then he had his own publishing company, his own management company, and through those companies, he actually uh, affected the careers of Aretha Franklin, which he met when she was 19, Al Green, Curtis Mayfield, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, and a ton of others. Wow. Yeah, so he was influential to all of these people. Yeah, that's huge. And around this same time, he meets Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay, Mm -hmm. becomes a big friend of his, and because of that, then meets Jim Brown, and of course, Malcolm X, mm-hmm. which is you know what the whole movie's about. Yep. Did you see the movie? Yeah. yeah. What did you think of it? I liked it. I liked it. I liked, I liked it. it. I found it interesting. I um, liked it too. I didn't like parts of it that of because I'm such a Sam Cooke fan. Mm-hmm. They made him look a little dopey at times, right? Right. And and a little flashy, like which right. I'm sure you know. There's some of that, but I bit, I yeah. think it was a bit exaggerated. Well, that that was my thought on the movie. I think that, and I could be totally wrong, but as I was watching, I was thinking, I wonder how accurate this script is. You know, I'm yeah. a historical. I, I like historical stuff, and I like it to be accurate. And go, oh, I want to be able to, like, I'm watching a window of actually happening. And there were parts where I thought, you know, I just don't know. And I think I felt like they played Cassius Clay up a little bit too much over the top to his. I think to everything his, was yeah. exaggerated, yeah. right? Yeah. A bit. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought the point of the fact that. Here are these four guys, which is incredible. Yeah, who were all um, tops in their careers, uh, or, or in the fields that they represented, getting together and you know having this social uh, discussion or this mm-hmm. meeting of the minds, so to speak. Yeah. And it was really that part of it was really interesting. very cool. Yes, yeah. Oh, super interesting. In fact, I thought when the first time I watched it, I, this is this is so terrible on my part. I wasn't sure if it was fictional. Oh, really? Or or not. <laughs> which is which is ridiculous. I thought, what would I thought at first I was like, is this a story of what would happen if these four guys had met? And then I realized that it was actually yeah. 
is pretty it was actually, is interesting. Uh, true. Yeah. yeah. So then he gets a little bit more, dare I say, R and B soulful, and starts to shake things up a little bit. I mean, almost <laughs> no pun intended, but literally songs like this. Shake. So it starts to get away from some of the love songs a little bit. It gets a little bit more back to some of his roots. This one's called Shake, one of my favorites. He brings a little bit of that church feel, some of that blackness oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. into this song. This is a huge hit for him. This is huge, right? Yeah. Love this one. Where don't you know? That's the sound of the men working on the so chain. So good. Now, this was featured in a movie back in the 80s, I swear, because I remember my brothers and I just really? singing this. I, mean, I could be wrong. I feel like one of these, you know, kind of essential 80s movies. I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I have no idea. We're, we're the, I'm, I'm envisioning people saying anyway. When I was a kid and I heard this song, I was like, this was one of those songs that I was like, you can't do do that in a song. Ooh, ah, and right, I, that's right. so different. I never heard that. Cool. And I was like, it's really cool. Yeah, it's, very cool. it's so catchy. Um, another one, another Saturday night. Another Saturday night that I got. I know you know, yeah. and I'm sorry. All right, no, but it, let's get to it. So I want to get good. to my song number two. Uh, so I'm, I'm digging all those. Okay, yeah. I know you know this song. So he comes out with having a party. Huge number one for him. We're having a party. Right. I remember he wrote all of these songs. I was gonna Except ask for you Summertime, that, that I've played so far, he's written every one of them. I didn't know he was a songwriter. Songwriter. I mean, until the later songwriter Hall of Fame, yeah. too, which we'll get to in a little That's bit. That's interesting, because yeah. I'm curious on how many of these types of groups have, you know, especially in the 50s, have songwriters and then singers. Like, like Motown would, you know, you'd had some writers that would... Oh, feed them. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like pop singers yep. now. Yeah, yeah. You got yep. guys who are exchanging songs all the time. Of course. And I write like this one. for you. You do this yep. one. I'll do this one. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And I was curious, but that's interesting to know that he wrote all these. He wrote I all of them. Yeah. And in fact, there's a story that he actually wrote a song, and because he at the time was under contract, this was early in his career, he actually wrote. He said, "No, I didn't write it. My brother wrote it, so that his brother would get the credits because he didn't want the money to go to the, the recording artist." This was before he had his own label, and he would play that games. So that's why on some of cool. his early 45s, it'll say C. Cook, and it was actually his brother's name who, as the songwriter, even though he wrote it. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. That's All right. Great. So let me get to that's this song. Great. Let me get to this. I know you yeah, know this song. No. Having a party, but yeah. song number two is oh, my favorite, okay, my favorite Sam Cooke song. Okay. I don't know if you know it. I'm going to say Ooh. you do know it. Yeah. It is the B-side to this song, to having a party. And that is Bring It On Home To Me. And if you don't know it, I really need you to, because it's so, so good. If you ever change your so mind. Do you know it? I do. About good. That harmony, the harmony. Yeah. Him on the first one octave lower is Lou Rawls. Come on, yeah, that's cool. Yep. Yeah. My favorite. Yeah. Like when I hear that, I'm trying to pick out Lou Rawls' words. Just, so just, good just listen harmony. to the lower harmony. Yeah. 
there you hear it in, in Sam's voice, yeah. too. Just, you got that, that gritty. Oh, that's just great. That's what I love. Right? Yes. This song hits number two. Didn't get a number one. Number two on Billboard. Uh, hit number 13 on the Hot 100. I mean, it's become a pop standard, and it's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 500 uh, most important songs that shaped rock and roll. This song? This one. Wow, okay. Yeah. He's got a few. I think three. This is two. This is So we've covered two so far. We're going to get to number three. Bring your sweet loving. Bring it all home to me. Gotta get to song number three. I'm sorry. Is that, is that Lou Rawls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> nice. It is. Isn't that sweet? All right. Song number three has to be this. Has to be. This is where we're going. This is why I started with what we're starting. Do you know? No idea. No. Wow. Okay, good. All right. I'm embarrassed. I'm excited. So, 1964 now comes along. Okay? Late uh, December of 1963. He starts writing a bunch of songs in 1964. Yeah. Keep going. I'm sorry. I'm cutting you off because I'm over here shaking. Go. Go. Of course I know what it is. Yeah, you don't know what it is. Okay. I know Stop. I'm an idiot. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm breaking okay. up the whole well, well, thing. Pretend you don't. Your flow is gone <laughs> and I'm an idiot. Sorry. I can't he hold hears that. Bob Dylan's Blowing in the Wind. Okay. And he goes, that's one of the most amazing songs. And it's so much of a civil rights song. Yeah. How could a white man writes a song that touches the black community so much. Yeah. I should be the one that does that. And it really bothers him. No kidding. It really, really pisses him off. And actually, they touch on it a little bit in the movie, if you remember. When Malcolm X says to him, you, he plays Blown in the Wind, and he goes, you should have written a song like this. Uh, yeah. That's not the way it happened. It bothered him personally. Yeah, yeah. And oh, it was like... Funny. That's that's a song. It's such a poignant song. Should not have been written by a white man. I should have written a song yeah. like that. So he really takes it serious and starts to pen a, a civil rights song important to him. Do you, you might have already said it. What year is this? Then? 1964. Okay, so this is 64. this is the middle I'm, of 64. I'm by the about time. when you know, I think about Marvin Gaye. What's going on? And that had yeah. you know, That was one of the, uh, the albums that had such an impact on me. Just for because it's like later music. Though. It's right, later though. Right. This is before that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's why I said this guy's kind of where a lot of this stuff. Yeah started, he was the first black artist to really be able to do it. And he kind of did it under the guise of, no, it's just another R&B song. It's a slow song. So song number three, because of all of what came from it, has to be A Change Is Gonna Come. Yep. Now, this song, if you think about it, is so incredibly put together. There's five backing vocalists, four guitars, a complete string section, brass section, French horn, kettle drums, and of course, <laughs> Sam Cooke. And if you really stop and listen to it, it's so powerful. Right? Mm, so good, yeah. He performs this one time on the Johnny Carson show. Live, okay? And it unfortunately didn't really get a lot of recognition because two days later, 
was the infamous Beatles performing on Ed Come Sullivan. On, really? So it got totally You're kidding. Yeah. Got totally overshadowed. That's incredible. And so I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Which is kind of crazy. So it's 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 his opus. It's his everything he wanted to say about what he'd been through personally, what he watched people go through, what, the reason he put his recording and publishing companies together. It's everything he wanted to say and everything he felt about an artist at the time in one song. It's his song. Yeah. yeah. It's his statement. It's such a great song, too. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change gonna come. All right. So, sadly, sadly, he dies. Two weeks after this, two weeks, 11 days to be precise, after the release of this song. Really? He dies. How long after they, I don't know if you know this, but I'm He's 33, how, he's by the way. 33, 33 years old See, that is when he dies. Yeah. So go wow. ahead. What were you going to say? Sorry. Uh, no, I was just going to say how long after he performed it on, um, on Ed Sullivan was it, uh, was it released, I wonder? Because it was probably shortly after that. So, you know, think about... It, was, it wasn't released until December 22nd. He dies on December 11th. So literally 11 days. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Which is pretty insane. Yeah, that is insane. But do you crazy. know the story about how he died? No. I Check actually, I this don't. out. So this is, this is part of the whole incredible drama. When you look at his life and you think about what happened to his son, what happened to his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. When he, so the story was basically this. He was a bit of a playboy. Okay. Okay? He goes to this bar, this nightclub, and he meets this woman, Elisa Boyer. Okay? He leaves with her, and, and she thinks that he's going to take her home. That's what, that was her story. Okay. okay? Yep. They end up going to a motel, the Hacienda Motel. <laughs> okay? Where, where is this? Did you say where it was? Hacienda is somewhere in L.A. Oh, L.A. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. They go to the Hacienda Motel. She claims that once that they were in the motel room, he kind of forces her on the bed, and then he forces himself on her, uh-huh. her claim. When Sam Cooke goes to use the bathroom, she quickly gathers up her clothes and his clothes and runs out of the room. When he comes out of the bathroom and finds that she's gone, he puts on his sport coat and one shoe, <laughs> totally naked except oh, for oh, a sports coat and one shoe, goes down to the office, starts banging on the office door, going, Wait. where's the girl? Where's the girl? Like, he's, he's clearly, like, inebriated or there's right. something. He's flipping out. Yeah. The hotel manager, Bertha Franklin, shouts back that there's no one else in the office but her. She's alone. He doesn't believe her and forces his way into the office. So they have a bit of a, like... Scuffle. So I'm in, if I'm envisioning this correctly, yeah. Sam Cooke's got a blazer on. Blazer. A shoe. And a, a shoe. A shoe. <laughs> a. And uh, everything else is just yeah, out. Out and, and about. And he's now uh, yelling. Scuffling, yelling and scuffling with a woman. She grabs a gun oh, no. and shoots him in the chest. Yeah. And he goes, lady, you shot me. In a tone... That was basically like more surprised. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? You shot me. She then hit him with a broomstick repeatedly until he died. What? Yeah. So well, that's I, guess, I mean that's how he died. She's scared. Now you're kidding. How no. does that story not I mean maybe it is more well known and I don't wait, know. It, it goes but. it goes even further than that. So now from there, the lady basically gets off because it was self defense. And there's now these Which, which, which I, I, okay, if her story is what it is, I understand. But 
she now there's like there's there's conspiracy theories that are like she was in cahoots with the girl and they know that he had a lot of cash on oh, him yeah. and they were yeah. following him around and uh there was there was a conspiracy that uh Alan Klein was involved, which was uh, Sam Cooke's old manager, oh, no and he kidding. had something to do with it. And like Etta James, the jazz singer, yes. s- said publicly that he she saw the body. There's no way there weren't more people involved. His body was totally mangled. His head looked like it was separated from his shoulders. Uh. Like he was beaten to hell. His fists were like broken. His hands were broken. Holy like, cow! It was it was crazy. So it's still one of those unsolved kind of a things. This mystery because. What happened was these cops, which basically didn't really care about helping this particular section of the community, and said, no, wrap it up. We got it, and it's done. So much so that they, um, Bertha Franklin actually was awarded 30 grand for the trouble from his estate. No kidding. Yeah. From Sam Cooke's estate. From Sam Cooke's estate. Well, that's And that's how he died, which which is insane. So 33? They're at 33. Wow. Yeah. So, 200,000 people visited his funeral in Chicago. Four city blocks were shut oh down. Oh, my gosh. I mean, he was just so incredibly influential. In fact, one of the things I didn't know as I was looking at uh, some of the accolades for this particular podcast, he was, when, and I, I would not have guessed this. And I, Be honest, now that I'm telling you, would you have said, when the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was put together, mm-hmm. They really took it seriously in 1986. Who was going to be the first inductees? Would you have put him in there? Because they did. Wow. He is among the no first. Kidding. Yes. He is and the list of Ray it, Charles, okay. James Brown, Chuck Berry, Fats Domino, the Everly Brothers, Buddy Holly, Jerry Lee Lewis, Elvis Presley, Robert Johnson, and Sam Cooke. That was Isn't the first that crazy? class. Of the That's the first class. class. And that was what year? 1986. 86. So that's 22 years after he's dead, right? Yep. He died in 64? Yep. So it's not like it's fresh and they just go No, away. No. The, wow, who were really the pioneers? Who's going to be the first class yeah, of, I would have never of ushering that. in rock and roll music? I think music. it's deserved. I would not argue totally, it. Totally. I, I, I just know, wouldn't have guessed but it. But no way. No, yeah. No. Yeah. You know, just to, to when, when you say, I, I just get so shocked by 33, because when you think about 33. how young people are, you know, especially people in, you know, in that Eras specifically, but even moving forward to Kurt Cobain and, and some of these others, you know, Lennon died when he was 40. And I think there's so much music out there, especially when they're murdered. Yeah. Like Lennon and now Sam Cooke, that these, it makes me so mad that these people, now who knows what happened with Sam Cooke, but they, they right. stole music from me. I know. That I like, was, it's a great way to say it. Like, look at McCartney's still making music. Right. And all That's those a fair years point. that Lennon, t- you know, so, or, or, or Sam Cooke, you know, now Bertha, I don't like her. No. I know what you mean. And I, although if was I was there maybe another way that could have been handled, please. Right. Or maybe <laughs> if although if you know if it's my wife, mother, no, mother, I, I right. And and she right. goes, Look, this guy had a jacket and a shoe. <laughs> right, yeah. Banging on the door, <laughs> where's the girl? <laughs> yeah, I get right. it. You're a little scared. Right, now, right. I understand. But, what, but I guess still, the oh, point man. of it is to me, what an incredible story. Right. Like his son dies, his first uh, wife dies. Like it's yeah. just there's so much tragedy, so much racial stuff which we didn't yeah. even cover. Like how yeah. difficult it was. He had to walk into different doors to play on the same bill and some of the yeah. white artists. He yeah. wasn't allowed to use the same rooms. I mean, the whole nine of uh, yeah. all the stories that you heard before. Yeah. But for, for him to go through all of that, and yet his voice is just such a magical, mm. mellifluous voice. It's just an incredible, incredible yeah. guy. Yeah. Incredible what guy. Did you, what, what kind of voice? Mel- mellifluous. That's good. Flowing like honey. Oh, my. Thank you. 
walking yeah. dictionary. If, well, I think I'm because if there's that. anyone that personifies that, come on, that That's that it. word, it's him. Yeah, I mean, I'm not questioning your use. That was well done. Let me let me say this to you. He was also inducted in 1987 to the Songwriters Hall of Fame, the Rhythm and Blues Music Hall of Fame. He has a Lifetime Achievement Award in 1994, of course. Yeah. He is considered top five greatest artists of all times by the Rolling Stone magazine, which really? I t- top five, which is insane, yeah. and has multiple uh, songs on the greatest on the 500 best list. Wow. Yeah. Now I'm going to tell you one more story. Okay. Which is crazy. It right. just keeps getting crazier. I mean, that's that's and yeah, crazier. Stop there. We you go think Bertha yeah. Franklin's crazy? Check yeah. this out. Bertha so, Franklin. his guitarist. At the time, for so many of his recordings, and as one of the studio guitarists for his label, was a guy named Bobby Womack. No, really? Yeah. You know Bobby Womack. Yeah. Bobby Womack, in case you don't know, if you think you're lonely now, across 110th Street, um, that's the way I feel about you, and of course, Fly Me to the Moon, an amazing guitarist. Amazing, amazing guitarist. It was Sam's protege, for sure. Like they were, they were buddies. If, if Lou Rawls was his like singing buddy, then Bobby Womack was like his protege okay. of, of what was going to be the next generation in the seventies to come. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. When he dies, Bobby Womack steps in and marries Barbara. Okay. No, wait. 77 days after his death, Barbara marries Bobby Womack. Bobby Womack's 20. Barbara's 30. Okay? Three, this, so though. I'm doing the math, and it's less than three months. Okay? Less, less than, than three, three months. months. Ew. In fact, yeah. they go to the courthouse, and they get turned away because you have to be 21 in the state of California. Really? So he waits till his 21st birthday and then goes and marries her. That's okay? Insane. The Cook brothers, yeah. the, like the other five brothers, yeah. are, are livid. Like, livid. They beat him up. They, they like, toss yeah. the, like, yeah. They, beat yeah, they beat him up. Beat no up. way. Yeah, yeah. Okay? And Womack basically finds himself like ostracized from soul music. You don't mess with Sam Cooke's wife, okay? Right, that's, yeah, pretty bad. At the courthouse where he gets married, he's actually wearing one of Sam Cooke's suits. No. Like, he steps into the role. No. Like, he's in his Ew. house. Oh, my god. He's gosh. wearing his clothes. Like, it's the whole deal. Wait, it gets worse. He ends up having an affair with the daughter, the, er, the young daughter, Linda. Yeah. So the daughter Sam Cook's Sam daughter. Cook's oldest daughter. What? Yeah. So Barbara catches him and shoots him in the back of the head. Misses, skims his head. Yeah. So he, she's like, get out of the house. So rightfully, okay, sure. Right. That, yeah, I'd be so angry. So he leaves the house. Okay. Linda ends up marrying Bobby Womack's brother. Come on. Okay. What is and going on? And they, I know Cecil Womack, <laughs> and they form the band Womack and Womack. <laughs> Okay, and right in the in in the eighties, wrote so many hits for so many different artists. How is this not a movie? How is this not a movie? I mean, that is you can't. Yeah, you know why? Because it's probably been pitched, and they said that's not (laughs) true. It's too. (laughs) It's it's too far fetched. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah, it's it's like yeah. That is wild. I have a random question that I don't yeah, I don't expect you to know the answer to. Go. You said the Cook brothers. And yeah. you know what's weird? The first thing that came to my mind is, do they have an E on the end of their name? They do not. No, so, so, they, so it's just Sam. No, it's just Sam. So That's when so you good. look at, remember I was telling you the 45s that have his brother's name? It's like C-Cook, C-O-O-K. 
No kidding. No E. He's the only one with the E. Funny. I'm impressed you know that. That's good. Isn't that well wild? done? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that crazy? Oh, so my it's gosh. just it's just nuts. So is that, I'm how crazy of a story is that? Nuts. And I think, and I should have asked you in the beginning, what do you think of Sam Cooke? What do you know of Sam Cooke? I yeah. think a lot of people think of him as, I don't want to say boring. That's not the right word. A 1950s and early 60s soul singer who was just a good Clean cut dude yep. that made some really nice music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not who yes. he is. That's, His that story is, is incredible, right. but what he wanted to do and the foundations that he laid for the types of music that came after him, for the ability for Marvin Gaye to make what's going on, for mm-hmm. the ability for like D'Angelo to make a, a, a statement album, mm-hmm. he started that. Yeah. With Change is Gonna Come. Wow. All right, so I'm gonna leave you with wow. my Good bonus stuff. song. Good stuff. Hey, what do you think? What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you think of him? You, th- you like him a little bit more? You know what? You, I know you liked him. I, I, every time I, I either listen or sit with you in this, I <laughs> on my way home, I'm listening to your artist a lot. That's great. I'm loving it. And, I, and, and Sam Cooke is one that, you know, me, I love soul music. Right. And I like Sam Cooke, and I know those songs. You know which ones I like the most? I think were the, some of the first ones you played, where I just go, wow, that, that early 50s music sounded fantastic doesn't i gotta it? listen to the whole thing yeah doesn't yeah. it yeah. Yep. all right That's so here's really what i'm gonna do stuff. i'm gonna do something different um to kind of make the point that he really wasn't around for that long of a time if you just look at what he did that was non-gospel mm-hmm. so it was like 57 to 64 really mm-hmm. okay but he was so influential that in the late 60s his music was covered by so many people that i think so uh I think much of the music that he, how he's known is from other people later in life covering mm-hmm. his stuff. So yeah. what I'm going to do is play for you the first song that I played, which was You Send Me, mm-hmm. but I'm going to play Aretha's version. Oh, okay. And yes. that's the song yes. I think All we'll right. go on because yeah. her version is pretty good as well. <laughs> I mean, but if you needed to put some extra stuff on your album and you had an R&B album, you kind of go to Sam Cooke's library and you go, right. let me just cover that because yeah. that's a pretty good song. Absolutely. So this is her version of that. Right? Not bad. Mm-hmm. And with that, I'll say thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Honest, you do. Honest, you do.